Good afternoon, Friday afternoon in town. Together we're listening to 90.7 KPFK, Los Angeles. For all of Southern California and in Santa Barbara County and much of Central California, out of the Santa Barbara County area, we're at 98.7. And of course, streaming for the world at kpfk.org. Hi, hello and howdy. Michael Benner with Intervision until 2 o'clock this afternoon and Boy, we got a great show for you today. I'm glad you're with us, and uh, if you're so inclined, you may want to tape this program. I know there are people out there who still use tape, so whether it's your cassette player or your DVD or maybe you're digital and really up to speed, this is going to be one that you're going to want to have. And my guest today, I'm going to pre-introduce, and then we'll bring him on in about five minutes. I've got a couple of announcements for you at the top of the show, but if you missed the promo and uh, you haven't checked the website, I want you to know right off the bat to stay tuned, because we have live in the studio today both Gary Zukoff and Linda Francis, and we're going to do a program about spiritual partnership. I think there's, you know, there must be tens of thousands of books that have been written on romance and love but not very many guides about the nature of spiritual partnership. And if you want to take your relationship to the next level and find out how is spiritual love different from or on a higher turn or more than what we think of as baby, oh baby, that kind of romantic love and sweetness. So spiritual partnerships are topic for today. And we'll bring uh, both Gary Zukov and Linda Francis on in just a couple of minutes. In addition to having Gary and Linda here, i got to tell you, this is a very exciting day for me. I'm almost breathless in, uh, in the sense that um, I have such an exciting announcement for you. Now, in one sense, it may be disappointing. Uh, change always has, you know some sort of mixed feeling. You have to let go of the old to bring on the new sometimes, and that's what we're going to do. I'm going to bring down the curtain on this radio program on KPFK at the end of November. Okay. Again, I've been here as a volunteer for 14 years, and I've just considered every single program, every call that I've received, every interview I've done to be a blessing in my life. 
And uh, I've always been proud and continue to be proud, always will be proud of my association with KPFK, with the wonderful women and men who work here and uh, the Pacific Commission. But at the same time, uh, it's time for me to move on to new and bigger projects. And so at the end of November, we'll continue to be here every Friday afternoon, uh, unless the, what was that old uh, Andy Griffith line, God willing, and if the creek don't rise, we'll be here if the creek don't rise until the end of uh, November. I have some great shows until then. We will continue to do the free podcast for you of this radio program. But um, at the end of November, I'm going to transition. My wife and I are moving to Maui, Hawaii. We have friends there. And this program is going to change from inner vision to a program called Finding Yourself in Paradise. And you'll come to find out that paradise is not just Maui, Hawaii. Paradise is a place in your mind and a place in your heart. It's a level of expanded awareness and consciousness that has a a, a peace and a sweetness to it, but certainly a level of expanded awareness. So we're going to play on that theme, the whole idea of finding yourself, your true self, your higher self, in a paradise that's within you, just waiting to emerge. So that's going to begin as a podcast when this program ends. That's why I want you to get on board with the free podcast now. All you have to do is go to the iTunes Music Store, uh, type in my name, Michael Benner, or go to the kpfk.org website. I know you have that booked. You can always download or stream any of our programs for 90 days from broadcast date, but also subscribe for free to the InterVision podcast at kpfk.org, or you can go to my website, theagelesswisdom.com, click on podcast and get it there. So the program continues in a sense, though I'll be joined by Steve Snyder at the end of November. The name will change, and the means by which you hear it will change. Instead of being broadcast, it's podcast that is delivered to you right to your computer. You don't need an iPod or any kind of portable device. We'll just put it right on your computer for you every week. Pretty cool, huh? So that's the first announcement. Now, the second announcement is I have a workshop, six-week workshop coming up. This is sort of the last chance to study. You've wanted to take some of my workshops over the years, perhaps. You've been putting it off. Last chance. Here we go. Best of Benner's Bits. I'm calling it Emotional Literacy. I'm going to do a six-week program on emotional literacy. We'll meet at the American Red Cross in Glendale, where I've done a lot of my workshops. I know many of you for, are, are familiar with that. So for more information, if you want to enroll and uh, reserve a spot for yourself, then uh, you can email me or, or call me on the phone. i give you that address and those numbers in just a second. The uh, six-week class, Emotional Literacy, on consecutive Sundays in Glendale, will begin September 23rd. And uh, I also want to mention that we're going to begin to do some telephone coaching also, but I'll tell you more about that as, uh, as the time approaches. So there may be some bad news in there. You might say, oh, no, InterVision Friday going away. But the good news is we're really not. We'll just be podcast instead of broadcast, and uh, who knows? Maybe we'll find some way with ISDN lines, digital lines, to be available to you. We're trying to work that out. Certainly hope so. But 
I uh, am mostly excited, really, really, really excited about this new project, Finding Yourself in Paradise. And let me just say, one thing we're going to do with the podcast that I've always wanted to do on the radio and never been able to do is meditation, visualization, and guided imagery. We'll be able to do that with the podcast, right? Because you'll be able to listen when you want for as long as you want, whereas in the with broadcasting, heck, if I did a meditation here now, there might be people in cars that, uh, well, I don't think they'd pass out or go into a deep meditative state, but it might slow your reaction time down a little bit, and we wouldn't want that. So that's one of the benefits of going to podcasting. We'll be able to do the uh, the exercise for you and listen to it when you want. We call them audio journeys, visualization, meditation exercise. So there you go. That's it. That's the news. Now, the email address is my initials, mb at theagelesswisdom.com. Remember the T-H-E, mb at theagelesswisdom.com. Just tell me you want to enroll, and we'll have someone get back to you. It might even be me. And the telephone number where you can leave your name, telephone number, and email address, if you prefer to go that route. We're just beginning the registration now is 818-569-3017, okay? 569-3017 in the 818 area code. It's a voicemail service, so you can call anytime 24-7, okay? So that's about it. <sighs> that is exciting for an old-timer like me to start something new. Let me bring on Gary Zukoff and Linda Francis, and welcome to Southern California and KPFK. Gary and Linda, nice to have you in studio. Mahalo, Michael, and aloha. Aloha, indeed. Yes, aloha, Michael. You'll come and visit me, won't you? Absolutely. Yeah. We love Maui. Say Gary and Linda are coming by. That's right. That'll be popular with the Bring Your Surfboard. Hey, I appreciate you coming down. I know you have a workshop in spiritual partnership that you're going to do right here in L.A. in a few weeks. That's going to be in September, right? Yes, September 15th and 16th, Saturday and Sunday. And uh, so that's our topic for the for for today. As I said at the top of the program here today, lots and lots of books are available throughout time. As long as people have been writing, they've been writing about love and poets mm-hmm. and philosophers and essayists. And yet, uh, there's not a whole lot of material on spiritual love. I think even people who describe themselves as Christians and have heard you're supposed to love your enemy still don't really know what that means. So where do we begin with this idea? Or where did it begin for you? I understand you guys are writing a book together on this very topic. Well, we've written two books together, Michael, but uh, um, the one on spiritual partnership, uh, the first one I'm going to be writing, I am writing now, it'll come out probably next year. Uh, By the way, I have another book coming out in October, I forgot to mention to you, called Soul to Soul. Now that one I wrote, and spiritual partnership, I will write. Am writing. Actually, but, your new book is coming out October 23rd, and it's called Soul to Soul: Communications from the Heart. I'm really excited about yours. Oh, uh, from the heart, yeah. heart and soul. And I should, you know, I should have said also. I just presume people know that you're the author of Seed of the Soul, often known as Oprah's Guru. And uh, I told you, I have had since the early 80s, I think, a copy of the Dancing Wooly Masters and. Until Seed of the Soul came out, I thought a couple of times, whatever happened to that Gary Zukov? And 
What did happen? Why don't we do the chronology? Let's talk about Dancing Willie Masters and Seed of the Soul, and then we'll move to these new books. Well, what happened is I discovered non-physical reality. Uh, uh, the Dancing Wooly Masters uh, was published in 79. And the day before it was published, it got a rave review, just a, a laudatory review without reservation in the New York Times. And that set the key. Every other newspaper in the country seemed to uh, key on that review. It won the American Book Award for Science. It was my first book. I didn't know anything about science until I started to research quantum physics. And it established me as a popularizer of science. And so people expected me to follow that with a s sequel, the Son of Wooly Masters. Uh, about, son of, yeah. uh, uh, maybe about uh, genetics or some other cutting-edge um, aspect of science. And I actually started writing a trilogy called f f uh, Physics and Consciousness, which I got quite a ways into, and it's good. I really liked it. It was a... But it, it was an intellectual work, and on the way to completing that work, I discovered that this universe is more than I ever imagined. I talked about that in The Dancing Wooly Masters. It, it, it's a story of quantum physics, but it's really a story of consciousness. And uh, you can't talk about quantum physics, in fact, without talking about consciousness, mm -hmm. which is what drew me to it initially. So once I began to realize that this universe is alive, it's wise. It's compassionate. There's intelligence and uh, wisdom in it that is real but not physical. I began to change, and, and the writing changed, and what resulted was the seat of the soul. And the seat of the soul is about consciousness. It's about evolution. It's about a new human awareness that is exploding through humankind now. And when I say exploding, I don't mean that everyone has this new awareness. But from an evolutionary point of view, it's happening very fast. Within a few generations, all humans are going to have an expanded perceptual capability. That means they're not going to be limited to the five senses, to what they can touch and taste and hear and smell and see. Is this something that is destined, in your opinion, to happen, or is this an opportunity that we must seize? The expansion of perceptual capability is happening. So no one has to work to make that happen, although as we become a multi-sensory species, uh, we will find ways to develop and strengthen intuition, for example, just as we found ways to develop and strengthen cognition. But you don't have to make multi-sensory perception or perception beyond the five senses happen. That's, um, you could call it, destined, although we really are not burdened with a destiny, but, but uh, our experiences move in cycles, and we're at the end of one cycle and the beginning of another. In fact, three cycles are beginning and ending at the same time and have, and that's an overlap. But I want to move to the opportunity part, because with this expanded perception, which, by the way, does not make anyone more uh, uh, happy or joyful or compassionate or wise, simply makes us more aware with this expanded awareness comes a shift in perception and in values. And so we used to see power as the ability to manipulate and to control. But now we're beginning to see it as the alignment of the personality with the soul. Mm. In other words, our species is now evolving through 
spiritual development and not merely through survival. So the potential that is given to us is the potential of authentic power. That means as you align your personality with your soul, you are aligning yourself with harmony, cooperation, sharing, and reverence for life. I just got an image of Maslow's hierarchy as a la- as an extension ladder, and you're pushing up a few more steps, a, a few more rungs above what he might have called self-actualization, which is sort of a humanistic term, to a sense of a whole new self or a higher self. Yes. Uh, I'm not saying it's a whole new self. What I'm saying is our awareness is expanded. Well, are the be- I'm sorry, go ahead. And therefore, our perceptions are, 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 we are beginning to experience more than we could before. And what we're experiencing was, is not necessarily something that wasn't there before. We're beginning to experience ourselves as souls as well as personalities. This is such a rich concept. Uh, Linda, I want to bring you into this. How did you two meet? Well, we met at a retreat. I was, uh, I was a, a present. I mean, a, he was Gary was a presenter, and I was a participant at a retreat, and it was a spiritual retreat. Gary was talking, but I had read the Dancing Wooly Masters in 1979, and I also, Michael, was waiting. Where, where's another book? What's going on? And um, ten years later, I saw his name on a book called The Seed of the Soul. But I saw Gary's name that because I, you know, the the words didn't Seed of the Soul. I didn't understand that, but I did understand this is him again. So I bought the book, started reading it, and I thought, oh, my gosh, he's, he's actually uh, written words that I know inside of me are true. And so a couple of years later, I met him at a retreat, and um, I felt I was being connected to – I know I was being connected to Gary. And so I chose to take that opportunity to go deeper into my own spiritual growth because I was already very interested in spiritual growth, but I hadn't really been doing that with a partner um, I had had many other relationships, but they weren't spiritual partnerships. So Gary and I began to form a spiritual partnership to really learn about each other. It was a quite, it's been quite an amazing journey. We've been together for about 15 years now, and it's uh, very uh, difficult and very joyful at the same time. Very difficult because I had to keep looking at myself instead of leaving the relationship or blaming Gary or, you know, I had to look at me. I kept looking at myself and looked at my emotions and what I was feeling and what was going on with me so that I could really have a partnership, a spiritual partnership, which I would define as a partnership between equals for the purpose of spiritual growth. More on that in a second, because that's a beautiful place to segue into this whole idea of spiritual partnership. But... Before we go there, I want to talk about, just for a moment or two here, about Seed of the Soul, because I think, Gary, what you did for a lot of people was provide an alternative to a simplistic idea of an indwelling soul that exists in us but no place else. And the idea of, uh, (laughs) I've heard you refer to the soul as the mothership. That's right. And the idea of an overshadowing soul or a soul that exists above and free of form, uh, the pre-existence of a soul really challenges our current religious beliefs. I mean, the ancients knew about it. 
I, I did a little research. Even the early church fathers like Origen and St. Augustine were later found guilty of heresy for having written hundreds of years earlier about the preexistence of the soul. So what are the implications, in a nutshell, if you will, of the idea that each of us has a soul that's already in heaven? Instead of, um, I would suggest instead of looking at mm, yourself as having, as being a soul in a body, look at yourself as being a body in a soul. Look at your personality as, you might say, a part of your soul on mission. A part of your soul that, whose power has been calibrated to, uh, certain experiences of physicalness. Experiences in the domain of time and space and matter and duality for the purpose of healing parts of your soul that your soul wants to heal. And you do that by the choices that you make as a personality. You have free will. And I'm suggesting to all of the people who are listening that each of us is a powerful creator and that you are a powerful creator, a powerful and compassionate, loving and creative spirit. You cannot stop creating, whether you're aware of what you're creating or not. And you always encounter the consequences that you create. Multisensory perception is allowing us to begin to see this larger picture of ourselves. That's what I mean when I say that millions of pe- hundreds of millions of people are becoming aware of themselves as souls, immortal souls, as well as personalities simultaneously. Now, our job, each of us individually, is to align our personality with our soul. In behavioral terms, that means aligning yourself. That means creating harmony and cooperation and sharing and reverence for life, the intentions of the soul in your life. When you do, everything in your personality that opposes that and prevents you from creating the intentions of the soul comes up into your awareness. Your anger, jealousy, fear, feelings of inferiority, feelings of superiority, need for vengefulness. I'll give you a good example, beloved. When I met Gary, you were asking me about when I met Gary. Well, when I met Gary, I was um, excited to meet him, but I, the parts of me that aren't in alignment with my soul, the parts of me that felt really inferior to him because he'd written these amazing books that I thought were so amazing, I felt very inferior to him. So to move forward with a connection that I knew was being made, I had to challenge those parts of me that felt inferior instead of doing what I'd always done, which is you know, just kind of, well, fade into the background and uh, pretend like that wasn't really happening. Instead, I decided that I didn't want to live my life feeling inferior to other people, anyone. Um, and so I began to challenge that and uh, begin a partnership with Gary uh, of equal, to be an equal with him and for him to be an equal with me. Because without that, if he's feeling superior to me and I'm feeling inferior to him, that doesn't create a, a relationship that we want. Or if I'm feeling, because I can switch, I can become, I can feel superior. I have parts of me that feel superior too. So if I'm feeling superior and he's feeling inferior, what you know? Then we don't meet. We don't meet in this place of equality. I don't know if that would that 
be a good way to describe it, beloved, for on your part? I don't want to confuse people because to me... Well, I'm hearing you pretty clearly, yeah. and I'm thinking again, nice segue into this, let's do it now, this idea yeah. of spiritual partnership, because we have, even as we get older and more mature and should know better, we still have rather naive ideas of romance being all warm and fuzzy. And, well, if we love each other, then we ought to be able to get along and talk to each other in a civil manner. And uh, why is, what is this friction and what, is, what are these difficulties? And I hear you saying, as a friend of mine used to say, and it took me years to even begin to understand what he meant, that love brings up everything that is not love. Absolutely. And so who better? to experience the friction of life with than someone you love, especially if we get with the program and go, oh, I see why this is coming up now. Yes. I couldn't deal with this with the boss or my buddies in the baseball team or whatever, but I can deal with this if we can create that relationship. So how do we get smart? How do we, as people in loving relationships, embrace the idea that, Love is going to redeem itself. It's, it needs to heal everything that needs healing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. How, how do we get that agreement? Well, and I don't hear that in well, our wedding vows. or. Uh, well, there aren't any in, in wedding vows. Where, where it is is um, making a commitment to your own spiritual growth. We, we consider ourselves spiritual partners because I have a commitment to my own growth, and I... And I support Gary in his spiritual growth. So we do that with each other. And we, what we do, Gary and I have been in, in our spiritual partnership, as I said, for about 15 years. And we have been, we want to share everything that we know about being in spiritual partnership. We have tools to support people that are simple, but they have to be practiced. And um, in creating, in really creating an authentically powerful life with each other. And with, for myself, I have to practice these tools. We also have spiritual partnership guidelines to support people. That's why we're doing our workshop. Right, right. And again, let me reintroduce you. Gary Zukoff and Linda Francis, my guests, uh, live in studio this afternoon. And uh, our topic, spiritual partnership. And as Linda has just said, uh, later in September, what are the dates and location for the spiritual partnership workshop? It's the 15th and 16th of September, Mm -hmm. and it's at the uh, Biltmore Hotel, the Millennium Biltmore Hotel. Is that downtown? Downtown. And I want to say that it's a spiritual partnership workshop, but it's not just for couples. The couples, of course, are, you know, many couples will come, sure. but it really it's for everyone because spiritual partnership can be, it, it is a couple's dynamic, but it's also, as you said, you may not be able to get along with your boss or your, well, it's actually, it's a way to have a different kind of relationship with everyone in your family, with your friends, if they want that, if they're open to that. Or even these two parts of self that you've referred to, not as separate selves, but the persona nature and then this higher self, this um, soul, if you will, on its own plane. Can we have a spiritual partnership with these two aspects of self? Well, that's not what we're uh, talking about, although I understand what you're, yeah. what, what you're asking. Let's uh, go back to spiritual partnership in the larger picture for a moment because it's really important in understanding how central spiritual partnership is becoming in the human experience and why it is in the process of replacing every other kind of relationship. 
I talked about the expansion of human consciousness. Everyone knows there's a transformation of human consciousness. And when I say everyone, I mean it, it's, it's, it's a buzz. It's, it's, it's in the air. What that expansion is, is the expansion of awareness that we've talked about. Now the question becomes, what are you going to do with your expanded awareness? What are you going to do now that you realize that you have a personality and you are a soul? The answer is to gain the fulfillment and the joy and the vitality and the creativity and the love that you want is to align your personality with your soul. There's no other way. That's your evolutionary path now. And that's the evolutionary path of our species. So as our species begins to see power as authentic, the alignment of personality and soul, rather than as external, the ability to manipulate and to control those things that are external to us, then this new species requires and now has a new relationship dynamic, a new relationship archetype, and that is spiritual partnership, partnership between equals for the purpose of spiritual growth. And as Linda pointed out, it's not only for couples. My dream, my vision, and I believe the vision of many, many people, is a six billion person spiritual partnership, a partnership between equals for the purpose of spiritual growth of six billion people, each striving to create authentic power, each striving to become emotionally aware, to learn when frightened parts of their personality are controlling their thoughts and their emotions. Parts that feel inferior or parts that feel superior or parts that are angry, parts that are uh, wanting to please people. What's a good way to remind each other of that when we, in what I find myself doing often, especially with my wife, is echoing my own internal dialogue. And so I might say something out loud that I have always said to myself, maybe self-critical, but then when I say it out loud, it sounds to her as if I'm criticizing her. She doesn't know that's just my internal dialogue, that's just me, self-talk learned in childhood. How could we remind each other when we when we tend to do that, when, when the persona acts up mm-hmm. and forgets about the alignment? Mm-hmm. Well, see, that's what spiritual partnership is so great for, because in a spiritual partnership where each person is saying, I really want to be in a spiritual partnership with you, so that any time I have things that come up in me that I say out loud to you or any way that I act that comes from a fear-based part of me, I really want to know about it. I might not want to hear it right at the moment, but I do want to know that it's happening. So we have that permission with each other to be able to say the things that we need to say because there are many parts of my personality, there are parts of my personality that are so familiar to me that I don't know that they're fear-based parts of me because I think that's who I am. <laughs> right, exactly. That's who I am. Right. You know, so I need my spiritual partners to help me. And I have many more spiritual partners than Gary. Gary's my, my life partner. He's my, I live with him. We love each other. He's my monogamous partner. But, but I also have other people in my life who support me and I support them in being able to remind each other whenever there are parts of ourselves that come up that are based in fear that, that we're not aware of, or maybe we are and we just need some help to mind each other. Yeah, to recognize it. Yeah. I was talking to a friend the other night, and uh, 
I just heard a lecture a few days ago about stories, the stories we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we were laughing about the fact that, you know, we write these stories, these scripts, these persona characters, and then we forget we wrote them and become the character in the drama that we wrote. And uh, for whatever reason... Uh, then tend to forget, wait, if I wrote that story, I could write a better story, a new, a new <laughs> revised right. story. That's right. And instead of uh, looking at it in terms of persona acting up, for me, it's a matter of recognizing frightened parts of your personality and loving parts of your personality. And then challenging and changing the frightened parts of your personality and cultivating and strengthening the loving parts. And that's how you create authentic power. As you begin to recognize frightened parts of your personality, which you do by coming, becoming emotionally aware, in terms of your body, somatic awareness, in other words, becoming aware of what you're feeling, for example, in your chest or your throat or your stomach when you get upset or angry or jealous. Mm-hmm. Then, let's talk about this. I'm going to have to take a break, but let's come back to this idea. You call it somatic awareness. And... Uh, we call it emotional awareness, but we use the body. You can use the body to yeah. do that. In fact, that's what your body and that's what your emotions are for, are to use to help you grow spiritually. I remember the day. I remember the day that I realized I could feel a feeling in my body. It's a confession to say I was in the mid-30s <laughs> when I said to this facilitator, you mean I could feel emotions in my body because I lived above my shoulders my whole life. And I think a lot of folks know exactly what I'm talking about, especially if you've been abused as a child, if you've been hit or humiliated, and most of us have. Uh, Even ignored, um, you tend to sometimes just not feel, just not, yeah, you just live in your head. So let's come back to that because, again, I think we're talking now about wisdom with a capital W. This is this is beyond knowledge and understanding, and everybody's got it. That's the good news. Gary Zukoff, Linda Francis, my guests on Intervision. Let's take a short break, and we'll be right back. Michael Benner, this is KPFK. For over 50 years, Philosophy East and West with Alan Watts has been broadcast on Pacifica Radio. KPFK continues this tradition with Alan Watts, Sunday mornings at 8.30. That's Alan Watts, Philosophy East and West, Sundays at 8.30 a.m. on KPFK Los Angeles. The only really free and unashamedly creative and adventurous radio station in the world. There's a fellow that's been around in this radio station for uh, more years than I have fingers and toes, Alan Watts, heard exclusively in Southern California on KPFK forever, forever, in a day. You know, Alan Watts was on the original board of directors of Pacifica, which I'm proud to say I don't think many people know that anymore. Alan, we lost Alan some time back. But those tapes will live to, forever as, as wisdom itself. Before we go back to uh, uh, Gary and Linda, I want to bring my producer in here, Brooks Willick, 
and uh, give her just a minute or two to talk about a project she's involved in. Brooks, how long have you been helping me out here at KPFK? I think it's now been over two years. A couple of years now. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate it, Brooks, like many of us, a volunteer here at KPFK. You're it's doing this wacky uh, Monty Python uh, thing with <laughs> other women. you got to tell us about 11 this. women. 11 women. 11 women, one black box theater, and about 20 Monty Python sketches. Tell me, 20 different Monty Python sketches. Yeah, it's about a 90-minute show. Um, it's goofy fun. It's a little bit of naughty fun, but it's mostly goofy fun. And, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. It's sort of um, at the Next Stage Theater where Chris Baroub, who owns the theater, created a space that he wanted to be there for the actors, sort of like this radio station in Pacifica wanting to have a space that's there for the people, and instead of the actors there serving the theater. So there's no dues, and they don't make you pay for your rental space. The upside of that is the da- the other side of that is is that the rehearsal time is a little bit less than others. So it's calling on people's improvisation skills oh, as well as quick memorization because it's a lot of wordy British humor that is being parodied by us since you're never going to be Cleese or, or Palin or nobody can be Cleese but Cleese and right. no one can do it better. So, so you're going to parody their work. Exactly. I've I got to ask you, are you doing this Parrot's Not Dead? Yes. That's one of my favorite. I'm not in that sketch, but that sketch is being done. So then you goof on the goof. Yes. Oh, i got to see that. It is. It's fun. Well, we have two more shows. We have tonight. Tickets are $15. Industry comps are available with a business card. Um, if you want to make reservations, it's at My Python. We call it Monty Python. With a G. With a G. So uh, reservations at M Python at gmail.com. If you want to know a little bit more about it, it's at myspace.com forward slash pythong2. Um, the show's done, been done about four times now. So I think this is the fifth incarnation, the first time I've done it. And, uh, you know, for me, it was like I, I just really wanted to be back doing comedy. So, so there's just two great. more, tonight and then next Tonight week. and next Friday. We're only on Friday night. Uh, so it's tonight and then next Friday night at 8 uh, p.m. It, it might get extended, but I can't. Well, speak to that. I hope so. And uh, I just wanted to support you in, in this announcement because you've you been so, so supportive to KPFK in Pacific. Oh, and thank you. Being here it's Friday been a huge part of my life. I mean, KPFK has been a real gift it does to me. That. It's really given me a lot. And knowing that. you has been a huge treat well, as well. Thank you. So, likewise. Good luck. Thank you. We'll look forward break to legs. it. Give the fight. Yes, indeed, break a leg. I forgot thank about you so your much. suspicions. And, <laughs> Theatrical uh, traditions here. One, one more time. How do they get more info? Um, go to www.myspace.com forward slash pythong with a G, like the underwear. Pythong2. Thanks for the visual. Yeah, well, you know, boys will be boys. We have two indeed. directors with 11 women. So okay, Got to have some naughtiness going on, I guess. That's my producer. That's Thank you my so girl. much, everyone, all listeners and sponsors and supporters You're and welcome. lovely guests. Great you guys are fabulous. Brooks Willick, uh, my uh, producer, able-bodied, willing producer for a couple of years now here in KPFK, volunteer like so many of us, so we wanted to support her in that. With us in studio for the rest of the hour, Gary Zukov and Linda Francis, who I really don't think need a introduction on this radio program, I'm sure. I'd be willing to bet 99% of those listening have at least one of your books on their shelf and probably more. 
Um, Gary and Linda are doing a workshop in September right here in Los Angeles on spiritual partnership. Um, We've been talking about it. We're going to talk about it some more, and they'll give some more information like Brooks did toward the end of the hour about how you can attend this wonderful workshop with Gary and Linda. But right now we're talking about this idea that I'm admitting came to me rather late in life, the idea that I could feel in my body an emotional sensation. And since then I've come to... uh, cultivate that. I've learned uh, various forms of meditation whereby stilling the body and calming the heart, my mind gets quiet enough to sense these senses, to to harvest, if you will, these in, in, intuitive understandings. So tell me more. They're, they're always happening. Your emotions are always, uh, you can look at them as uh, energy currents that are flowing through your body. And as they flow through your body, imagine a current of energy that never stops until you die, coming into the crown of your head, going down through your body to the base of your trunk and up again. And as it does, it goes through seven energy centers that in the East are known as the chakras, what we call them energy centers, because Sanskrit is not even a second language for me. You know, I have a friend who's a brain surgeon. He says these plexes, sacral plexus, solar plexus, and so on, actually are hubs of physical nerves as well. That's, so, that, that's interesting, but yeah. you, can, you can determine for yourself whether... By the way, everything that I say and that Linda says, we don't offer to you as dogma or something that we want you to believe or even feel that you should believe, uh, but as ways of looking at the world that have been helpful. They're helpful to me, and I hope they'll be helpful to you. Well, talk about the standing the test of time. The yoga system of chakras is a pretty... Yes. Pretty darn good one. Yes, it is. Now, you can use this system in this way. Uh, as you develop emotional awareness, you can put your attention on, for example, your throat, then your chest, and then your solar plexus, and back again, and notice what you're feeling there. Whenever you process energy in one of your energy processing centers in fear and doubt, you hurt. You physically hurt. We know that in our language. We talk about heartbreak. We talk about a stomach ache. We talk. Uh, we, we feel our throat tighten and our shoulders get tight when we have difficulty expressing ourselves. Any time that you're processing processing energy and fear and doubt, you know that a frightened part of your personality is active, and that's the time to challenge that part of your personality. You do that by not acting on it, by not reacting, acting as you have habitually done but instead making another choice. I've um, dealt with anger a lot in my life. And so it may be that if you're an angry person, as you become aware of the physical sensations of anger, and they hurt a lot, when you're angry, instead of speaking or acting in anger, the best that you can do is just stand there with your teeth clenched and your fists clenched, but not speak because you're determined not to speak anymore in anger. That's a big step in your life. And then eventually you can feel your anger without clenching your jaws and your fist. And then you'll be able to feel your anger and relax. And then you can feel your anger and actually listen to the person. And then you can feel your anger and decide to really try to understand the other person. 
Do you, do you see it or experience its dissipation somehow? You experience it. You experience it in this way. Every time you challenge a frightened part of your personality, it loses power over you and you gain power over it. So as you challenge it again and again and again, you begin to gain power over it. And eventually, you begin to realize that that frightened part of your personality is coming less frequently. And when it does come, it's less intense. So we have to train ourselves. Yes, absolutely. That's, that's the creation of authentic power. It's like training a puppy to sit and stay. Yeah, and I was thinking about what you said, Michael. You said that you weren't able to feel anything in your body until you were in your 30s. Well, I think that's so common. I mean, so many times people can't feel uh, what's going on in their body as physical sensations. And that's, that's not unusual. Um, however... Um, it, it's really important uh, to, if you can't feel the feelings, you can hear, hear the thoughts that come from frightened parts of your well, personality. Sure, yeah. And you can tell what their perspectives are because they're not loving. Those parts of you that are angry and jealous and upset about things and making a drama out of something, those are frightened parts of the personality. And so Gary and I teach that. We teach people to recognize those parts of themselves because you can't uh, create authentic power. In other words, you can't uh, have a life where you're really growing yourself instead of trying to change everyone else. We're talking about grow yourself. Look at yourself. Look at everything that comes up in you. Look at every reaction that you have to anyone or anything that happens. And, uh, of course, in your partnership, it's the, the juiciest place, isn't it? Because it, everything comes up. It has to. Yeah. Because you know, see, for me... It's as the safest it, place for it to come up. It's the safest if you, if you look at it from the context you're looking at it. Because if you see it as, this is the reason I came here. I want to heal everything in me. And if, if this... If this comes up in my partnership, then I know it's coming up so I can heal it. Not to push my partner away or not to push my friends away because they bring up stuff in me, but to heal it in me so that I can see things clearly instead of through the focus of this frightened part of me that's angry at them at the moment. Let me give the telephone number. If you have questions for Gary or Linda, give us a call. And that's what I'm looking for is questions today. We're just going to have a few minutes for calls. So give me a nice, concise question for Gary or Linda. 818-985-5735. 985-KPFK in the 818 area code. What about defensiveness? What do we do with that tendency that the persona has to defend itself and be in charge. I'm the persona, damn it, I'm going to run the show well, here. These are experiences of frightened parts of your personality. And you experience them, become aware of them, and challenge them in the same way. And all of these things that we're saying are not too, very difficult to understand, but it requires practice. And that's why Linda and I uh, created the Seat of the Soul Institute. And we have a website, www.seatofthesoul.com. That's as uh, Brooks would say, Sita, <laughs> S-E-A-T. And, uh, Easy to remember, yes. given your book, seatofthesoul.com. Yes, and our mission is to assist individuals in creating authentic power. And that's why with Linda, uh, we have, uh, Linda and I have been creating events for quite a while now. We that's, also have a three-year program uh, called the, the Authentic Power Program where we train people. Where are you based? You're up in... In Oregon, Oregon. Oregon. Ashland, Oregon. Ashland. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, that's becoming a bit of a hub, isn't it? I hear that uh, there's a, a number of uh, spiritual facilitators that are taking up residence in Indeed. that area. So Indeed. How long have you been in Ashland? About seven years. Yeah, so you like it? You I think do. it's going to be a real community of 
I want the world to be a, a real community, community right. of spiritual partners. And, and, and I'm saying these things so that uh, uh, you, you can know that we're not here in Los Angeles. Uh, we won't be in Los Angeles. We will be in Los Angeles September 15 and 16 to give this event. But it's, it's, it's an event to help people practice what we're talking about now on this show. Yes. To bring into their lives and utilize to develop the tools of emotional awareness and responsible choice, which means becoming aware of your intentions and creating with them consciously, of consulting your intuition. In other words, of creating authentic power with another person who's also committed to creating authentic power, and that is a spiritual partnership. A spiritual partnership can be with your biological family. It's wonderful when that happens. It can be with people in the workplace. It can be with your neighbors. It can be with your wife. It can be with the person that you live with if you're not married. Whenever the energy of spiritual partnership enters the relationship, then fasten your seatbelt. <laughs> I'd like to ask you each to speak to a concept that I think is pretty, uh, well, at once fundamental and yet really groundbreaking uh, in, in relationship work, at least it was for me in and others I've worked with, and that's the idea that we really don't want to win an argument. We don't really need to win anything, because if either loses, both lose something. What we want is acknowledgement, but we don't know how to ask for it, and often don't know how to offer it. How do you guys talk about that? What What are we really asking for when we argue? You, you've gone right to the heart of the human experience and the, the fear, the basic core negativity in the human experience is the pain of powerlessness. And that is the feeling of being intrinsically flawed, of being defective, of not belonging, of not being capable of love or capable of being loved. And is that simply just a function of being spiritual creatures bound up in these physical bodies? It is. It is a fundamental part of human of human experience. Now, here's our where experiences physical creatures. Yes, okay. yes, yes. That's what I mean when I say human. We're a, we're alienated from our source by all appearances. Well, it this, certainly feels lonely. Down this here. Pa- this pain of powerlessness is a pain of loneliness, of being isolated, of not being apart, and to say that the human species is insecure is to state the obvious. From the origin of humanity until very recently, we have addressed this pain of powerlessness by reaching outward to change circumstances around us, by building a house, by planting a garden, by building an empire. By trying to find the right partner to fit exactly. need so that, so that my hole is filled. That my kind of soulmate. Yes. That's right. Aren't we all soulmates? Absolutely. Yes. Good point. <laughs> Can we stop this new age silliness about the one right soulmate? Now, here's the thing, Michael, that I'm so excited to share, is that as we move past and we have this evolutionary threshold from five-sensory to multi-sensory, then we are developing another way of addressing the same pain of powerlessness. Instead of reaching outward to change the circumstances around us, which is the pursuit of external power, we instead... Look inside and change what is within us 
that is causing us pain. Change what is within us that is causing us to create destructively. In other words, we identify frightened parts of our personalities, challenge them, and heal them. Instead of looking outward and trying to change what triggered something within us that's painful, we look inward instead at what has been triggered and heal that. That's the creation of authentic power. And that's now the only thing I will suggest to all of us that is satisfying, that will give you the fulfillment that you're looking for. But I'm practical, so how do you do that? That's what you were asking. How do you do that? So what if you're in a power struggle with your partner? The power struggle is always, when we say power struggle or argument, it's really a power struggle between a frightened part of one person's personality and a frightened part of another person's personality. It's not loving parts of the personality that are fighting. So when you can see that, when you really see that, that, oh, my gosh, I'm angry at Gary. I'm angry at Gary because there's a frightened part of me that want, that I, it feels so, you know, so uh, irresistible to be angry with him. But I know that if I act in anger or if I shout or if I withdraw from him, all I'm going to create is, is um, painful circumstances for myself. So I do my best to stop and feel what I'm feeling. And I usually feel a lot of pain in my heart when I, when I stop a power, you know, when I'm stopping in the middle of a power struggle. I feel how painful that is. And then I just stay with it, and I do my best to challenge it and say, I'm not going to act that way. Isn't ego at times afraid that it's going to be lost in this relationship? I think that, I'll call it, when I say ego, I'll call it a frightened part of the personality. Of course, frightened parts of the personality have very distorted views of the world. But that's not all of who I am. I'm more than that. I'm a soul, and I have loving parts that I want to act in the world with, that I want to speak in the world with. I don't want to act with those anymore. I can't stop them from coming up. They come up anyway. You know, I'll feel them. I'll feel anger, and I'll notice that. But I don't have to shout at someone. I don't have to try to change them. I don't have to do anything with it but feel it and choose to act differently than I have in the past when I've had those feelings come up. I want to take a couple of phone calls for you. If you'll put those headphones on, you'll be able to hear our callers. And let's start in Lakewood with Vanessa. You're on KPFK with Gary Zukov and Linda Francis. Hi, Vanessa. Hello. Thank you for having my question. And what is it? Well, um, I was curious about what your opinions are on when someone can't feel uh, the feelings that you're talking about, feeling the emotions in the body. Um, like if I'm really uh, angry or I'm in a fight with my partner or something like that, sometimes when I try to look within and recognize where I'm feeling something, the moment I try to put my focus inward, I can't feel anything. It's like I've gone numb. And a lot of the times it ends up affecting me long term where maybe even a month, it'll go on for a month where I, I don't even feel any feelings of happiness or sadness to a greater degree. Like something that would normally make me excited, I am not so excited as I would be. I'm just kind of dulled out. Like everything's kind of like in a fog. Shut and I'm down. wondering, yeah. yeah. Yeah, shut down. So do you also feel a wall up between you and your partner? A distance? Uh, a separation? Yes. Yes, there's definitely a distance that right. you can Mm-hmm. See, that's what's important. So what you know is that that frightened part of you is still active because you're feeling um, kind of gray, like numb, not feeling anything. That doesn't mean that it's not active. 
because it's definitely active or you wouldn't feel the distance with your partner. So it doesn't matter whether you can feel it or not, because sometimes it, it takes a lot of um, working and practicing to actually feel the feelings as physical sensations. But you can notice the thoughts that you're having, and you can notice the perspective that you have with your partner. And even though you're feeling those things, you can still do something loving. You can still come up to your partner in a loving way with a loving intention and say, you know, I'm feeling this way, but I don't want to feel this way. Yeah, even if it's just give me some time. Yeah. Vanessa, thanks. Let's go to Joy and Los Feliz here on KPFK. My guests are Linda Francis and Gary Zukov. Hello. Hi. Hi. What's your question? Email. I just received an email from a coworker, and I'm fuming. <laughs> and um, what has happened was basically, in my opinion, she sugar-coated this uh, email letter saying how much she appreciates me and how much she really wants to help me. So what's your question? How do I – she she misinterpreted my email. Don't email her back. I won't. Do it person to person. What do I say? Stop doing well, that. Uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd just like to address this for a moment. What was in the email is is, is beside the point. The point is what's been activated in you and what you're experiencing, and it's very painful. And that's what you need to address in yourself. Uh, addressing your uh, coworker isn't going to help you heal the part of yourself that is experiencing this deep pain and has experienced it in the past. We're out of time. Tell us again how folks can get more information about your workshop in September here in L.A. You can go to seatofthesoul.com and... Uh, and come, come with us. We want to uh, be with you to uh, practice spiritual partnership with you in September. And again, September the date? 15th and 16th, Saturday and Sunday at the uh, Biltmore Hotel, Biltmore Millennium Hotel in Los Angeles. Seatofthesoul.com. Thank you so much for coming so down. Great to be with you, Michael, and especially on this momentous day when you made this amazing announcement. I know. I feel likewise. Thanks. I appreciate you being here, the strength and your support, and uh, keep doing what you're doing. It's very, very valuable. We'll look for more books from both of you. Gary Zukoff and Linda Francis, SeatOfTheSoul.com. By the way, it's Brooke's birthday today, so we all want to say happy birthday to Brooks Willick. My producer, you heard her a little while ago. Thanks to D'Angelo and everybody else that helps here, especially to my wife, Doreen Key, for all that she does. And join us next week. We'll be here for a couple of more months, Friday afternoon at 1. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. You've been listening to Intervision on Radio Powered by the People, KPFK, 90.7 FM, Los Angeles. 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara and you can listen live globally also at www.kpfk.org